Well, praise the Lord. It's so good to be here. Isn't following Christ an adventure? And to have made Crawford's acquaintance this weekend, um, I told the service, now none of them are here, but it was really a humbling thing for me to be able to speak with all of these servants of God serving all around the world in such wonderful ways. And I count it a real privilege to be able to be here and share with you all for a few minutes. Uh, I started yesterday morning at the men's breakfast. I told the first service that no physician would have approved what was on the men's breakfast yesterday. It was all guys stuff. There were no women eating, uh, but it was a lot of sausage gravy and a lot of stuff that's not good for us. But uh, 200 men here hearing the question, is the way I'm living my life worth Christ dying for? And that's a really good question for us all. What a privilege for me to get to know and stay with Crawford and Karen Loritz. You know, they're just, they're both giants. And you guys are so privileged to have them here with their spirits, their heart, their home, their kids, their grandkids. Uh, They've just taught me so much reading Crawford's latest book over the weekend about how one of his beliefs, the characteristics of leaders ought to be immediate radical obedience. Uh, Really strikes home with me. Um, We were listening to a friend of ours share a couple of years ago who had been in a house church in China. And uh, the home was out from the village, and so uh, the people after the house church meeting weren't able to go back to the village, so they just all pulled out pallets and stayed there. And uh, the subject of the house church meeting had been prayer for missionaries to go serve in the country of Burma. And so in the morning, everybody woke up, and my friend noticed that one of the pallets was empty, and he went to the owner of the home and said, Well, has she gone to work? Has she gone back to the village, back to her home? What? And the owner said, no, no, she's gone to Burma. That's immediate, radical, costly obedience. And so to have your pastor, Crawford, taking that position and leading you and being filled with the spirit like he is. Last night we went to dinner, the three of us, and we were leaving and uh, some kids were there and they were actually having some problems with the police. And just to show you what kind of a man he is, here we were driving home, and he's praying out loud for these kids. You know, for this incident to impact them in a positive way. So a man of prayer, just a giant, a writer. My wife, in fact, uh, communicated to him over the weekend through me that for years when she was younger, she attended Campus Crusade Christmas events, and he was speaking. Uh, he He spoke to a Promise Keepers event that I attended back in 95. So Crawford, thank you for your friendship, for your stand for Christ, for the way you lead this church and the way you and Karen and your family impact the nations. May you be blessed. In fact, our our 22-year-old daughter has moved to, uh, she graduated from Clemson in May and she's moved to Nashville and And uh, we're putting her in touch with Crawford's son, who's actually planting a church in Nashville. Isn't that amazing how God works to bring people together? Um, So I want to talk to you today about a a couple of scripture verses. If you've got an opportunity to make a note of these verses, you may want to do that. Um, Because I'm just basically sharing what God is doing in my life and our work. And by the way, just after the first service, Crawford met a young lady who's going to be serving uh, with Greater Europe Mission this summer. 
and met another young man. Now listen to this. We're working a lot with the Tour de France this coming summer, the bicycle race there in France. Last summer we had 400 people serving at the Olympics and uh, just some uh, incredible opportunities through some of these sports events. But anyway, a young man came up to me after the first service and he said, I'm a cyclist, a professional cyclist. And he said, I'm participating with you in the Tour de France work. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine for a professional cyclist to be able to be there and be part of planting churches in France? So the first verse I want to mention to you is Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And and that verse, you're familiar with it, but it says, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. And so I, I really want to ask you today to consider the implications of this whole weekend at your church in terms of your individual life. I know how it is. You sit in your chair and you think, well, you know, I've got my profession. I've got my job. I've got my family. I'm in school or whatever. Maybe somebody else will respond. And listen, I went through that a lot when I was a young lawyer. In fact, when I met my wife, she had just come back from being a missionary for two years in Hong Kong teaching English to uh, Chinese students. And on our very first date, now this wasn't really wise, you single guys who are out here, but anyway, on our first date, I listened to her story about her missions adventure, and I said, that sounds great, but it's one thing I'll never do. And uh, that was really smart looking back. I'm not sure why she ended up marrying me, but uh, anyway, here I am today involved in the missions world. So... uh, Luke 10, 2. What a, a lot of us are doing is we're setting our clocks, our iPhones, whatever you have, at 10.02 in the morning and 10.02 in the evening to pray for workers to be thrust out into God's harvest. And so I want to encourage you to consider doing that. Maybe you leave from this message and that's the only thing you remember. Well, you know what? That's a great thing because we really have to pray that the Lord will send out workers into the harvest and that people like you and like me, just ordinary people, will respond. When I was uh, studying out in uh, San Francisco, I had a professor who uh, told us this, and it's really impacted my life and really helped kind of guide my journey, and that is um, that the 21st century is going to be a century in which the great work of the church moves from the ordained to the ordinary. That's a great thought. So Luke 10, 2 is a very important verse for us all. I hope you'll consider doing that, praying that God will thrust us out. The other verse that I want to mention to you uh, is Jeremiah chapter 33, 3. And that's where I want to spend just a few minutes sort of talking from my experience. And and listen, I'm, I'm just like one of you walking through life's journey, trying to be a man of faith. Uh, So as you look at that, just very quickly, were any of you able to see the series, the first segment of the series, the Bible on Sunday night? Uh, I don't know if you did. If you didn't, you need to catch it. Watch that and catch up because it was phenomenal. It doesn't tell every story of the Bible, but it couldn't possibly do that. But one that particularly struck, uh, got my attention, touched my heart was Abraham. And, you know, when we think of the story of Abraham, we think of God calling him to go to a land that he doesn't know. Okay, well, so he did that. 
We think of him being called to a sacrifice. He takes his son Isaac. All right, he did that. We know how it turned out. Actually, in the film, Abraham is shown as a man who's really grappling with things. He's really trying to hear the voice of God. He's really trying to figure out what his response is. In fact, when Sarah realizes that he's taken Abraham, uh, he's taken Isaac, and he's talking about a sacrifice, she screams out and runs after them. You know, it's real life. And uh, the thing that struck me particularly this week about that is, you know, we know the end of the story. But when Abraham was going through it, when Joseph was going through imprisonment, when Esther was afraid to approach the king, and on and on and on, when William Wilberforce was trying to get the laws passed in the parliament there in England, they didn't know the end of the story. But they were people of faith. And so my prayer is that for you, for me, as we live in March of 2013, we'll be people of faith for whatever God's calling us to. We don't know what this afternoon holds. But what we do know is that God is calling us to be people of faith. So I encourage you in that. Just this past week, several days ago, I was meeting with a brother in Colorado Springs. He runs all the YMCA's there. And I always hate to get with him because he's so fit, you know. And anyway, but, but he was really grappling with the fact of how do I lead my family in a godly, Christ-like way? And just a great guy. So we were talking about Scripture and we were talking about being a model and all this. But I thought as I left that coffee, I thought, you know, Boyd is, is, is uh, typical of lots of people in our country who are saying, you know, how can I be a person of faith? How can I make a difference in my life, how can, in others' lives? How can I build the things of God into my children and into those in our circle of influence? So it's a very important thing. Being people of faith. Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I hope if you are into Scripture memory that you'll consider either underlining that verse in your Bible or writing it on a note card or somehow uh, beginning to commit that verse to memory. Because I tell you, that verse is powerful. And, and some things that that verse has spoken to me, in fact, I just shared them last week with 23 appointees who we appointed, who are on the journey now to get into Europe and just trying to encourage them and help them in their walks because that's what I've needed all my life. I've needed people to speak into my life. I mean, just sitting with Crawford this weekend has been such a blessing and a, ref- and a refreshment for me. Seeing a man like him, knowing the journey he's walked and just saying, you know what, I can be encouraged. It is a great thing to be a follower of Christ. So Jeremiah 33, 3, the first thing that I just want to mention to you quickly is how important it is to know the scripture. How important it is to know the scripture. You know, with all of the demands of the world, with all the noise that pushes in on us, the sports and the news and the politics and kids' schedules and grandkids and all that kind of thing, we can realize one day, we can wake up one day and realize, you know what, I'm not really consuming the scripture into my life. And it's one of the things I told the head of the YMCA. I said, boy, you got to start with knowing the scripture. So about uh, 18 years ago, I, was, I had the privilege of serving 
as a legal counsel to the governor of South Carolina, committed believer, just a great guy. And I was reading a book uh, by Dawson Trotman, who founded The Navigators. It's called The Navigator. If you're interested in it, you should pick up a copy. It's a brilliant book, and he too was a giant. But uh, Dawson Trotman said we should all do certain things every day as a follower of Christ. One is we should touch a person with the love of Christ. And, and, and so I'm thinking today, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here, I'm going uh, to see a friend, and then I'm heading to the airport. So I'm already thinking, all right, who am I going to intersect with today and show the love of Christ to? It's a good question for all of us. And, you know, these encounters, they happen at the strangest times. Like one time I was at the car rental counter in the San Francisco airport, and I was talking to two ladies there, and I started to walk away, and they said, we love your accent. Would you just stay and talk to us for a few minutes? You know, and I'm like, you know what? We have this thing called the creation to Christ story. If any of you want it, I can get it to you. We actually have an, an app for it now. But you can tell the entire story of the Bible in just a few minutes, uh, really hitting the highlights. But really, if you're standing at a, at a bus stop or if you're at a lunch counter, wherever you may be, boy, you can, you can tell the story of the Bible and the message of Christ really quickly. So uh, anyway, the second thing Dawson Trotman said was that we should uh, memorize Scripture. And his suggestion was that we memorize a thousand verses of Scripture in a thousand days. And so I did it. And I tell you what, it changed my life forever. Because before that, if somebody had asked me about temptation, for example, I'd say, well, can you hold on a minute? Let me go to my concordance. Let me ask my pastor. Let me look in a book. Let me go to Google or whatever. Well, we didn't have Google back then. But anyway, you know. And now 1 Corinthians ten thirteen is just right there. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond the point of endurance. He'll give you a way of escape. So it was interesting, Crawford, after the first service, a gentleman came to me. He was here with his son in the service. And he said his son texted him during the service and said, Dad, we're in. We're going to memorize a thousand verses in a thousand days. Isn't that great? So, you know, it, it is great, and it's glory to God because we need to have this scripture in our hearts. Every morning when I'm walking around, you know, I'm just saying, Jesus, you know, speak to me today. Tell me how to pray. You know, Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, the very ends of the earth as your possession. What a great verse for this weekend. As we're talking as a church family and friends about the kingdom of God being a reality, not only here in your community, but to the ends of the earth. And, you know, the important thing is, one reason we need to know Scripture is, if we're thinking and praying about participating in the Tour de France effort this summer or going to Cologne or all of these ministries that have just been recognized and highlighted here, we've got to be prepared here. We've got to be doing the things now that we're going to be doing in an international setting, like speaking the name of Jesus. So we ask ourselves, when's the last time we spoke the name of Jesus to somebody outside of the church setting? We have to be mentoring others and being mentored ourselves. Some of my most precious times are being mentored by men who are older than the faith in me, older in the faith than me, and then I'm mentoring people who are younger than me. 
discipling others and being discipled. So I just think as we're thinking as, as, as ordinary people, you know, how are we doing the things now that can position ourselves to be extraordinarily fruitful followers of Christ, even in an international setting? And, and I do believe that there is something to the idea of the geographical will of God. That is, sometimes we may have to move to be in a position where God can use us the most. It's like there, there's a phrase in the law, you know, eminent domain, when the government takes your property and they have to pay you. But there's a phrase that I've locked on in there that really means a lot to me, and that is when the government pays us, they have to pay us for the highest and best use of our property. And that's exactly what God wants of us, our highest and our best. And so God put in me, as I was in the law and in politics, a, a restless spirit. And I felt like I really needed to honor that. And maybe some of you are dealing with that. And I say, if he is, if you do have that restless spirit of, you know what, I'm not sure I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm not sure I'm using my gifts in the highest and best way. Then I encourage you to act on it. Life is short. We only have one life. And he'll honor our decisions. So... We want to we want to be people who are people of Scripture. The first thing in that verse, then he says, "Call to me," and I just want to encourage us all. And this is so elementary and so basic. I almost hate to share it, but that is, we have to be people of serious prayer. In fact, Charles Finney, who was a, a speaker and a pastor back in the 1900s, uh, used the term agonizing prayer, which I really like. So at Greater Europe Mission on the first Monday of every month, we set that day aside for a day of prayer and fasting for our entire mission family. And I just want to encourage you in the spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, scripture memory, and those kinds of things, really be serious about it. Be tapped into it. Those of you who have kids and grandkids, talk to them about it. Encourage them in it. One thing about our journey with our kids is we've always tried to engage them all along the way with what we are and who we are and what God is trying to accomplish through us. And I think it's so vitally important. I shared in the earlier service every morning when I first came to Greater Europe Mission, I, I saw people sending work emails at 5 o'clock in the morning and 5.30 in the morning. And so a group of us guys got together and we covenanted we're not going to watch ESPN, for those of us who are sports fans. We're not going to get on email until we spent time with the Father, hearing from Him. How do you want me to spend my time today? How do you want me to pray today? You know, so many times we pray these prayers and we ask these things, and then we think we're covered for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, a year. And the older I grow, the more I realize that the thing of following Christ is day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute. There's so many temptations out there in the world. There's so many things that are trying to distract us. And we have to stay focused on hearing from God. Back on October 9th, uh, I took our whole staff out in Colorado Springs. And we spent a day at a Catholic retreat center. And we met with one of my professors up at Denver Seminary, and he focused on how do you hear the voice of God? How do you really put things in place in your life that can enable you best 
to hear God's voice. Maybe what things do we need to get rid of? Well, the next day, my assistant, Cassie, who's 24 years old, came in and said, I was just blown away by what I heard yesterday. You know, so what I'm sharing can not only apply to high school students, to singles, to married couples, to kids, whatever, grandparents. It applies to us all. Practicing the presence of God. That's what Brother Lawrence said 300 years ago in his famous little book. If you've never seen it, I encourage you to get it. It's only about 90 pages long. But he was a monk. And he basically thought about the idea of practicing God's presence no matter what we're doing. So he was on his hands and knees scrubbing floors in the monastery practicing God's presence. Brushing teeth, washing dishes, doing chores, driving cars, sitting on an airplane, whatever we're doing, really practicing the presence of God. So we want to know Scripture We want to call to God. And then the third thing is so important because that verse says, call to me and I will answer you. And I think we've got to trust the sovereignty and the timing of God. And it's just so important for us to rest in that. It's like, you know, we know that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we have to trust his timing and answering prayers. So in Athens, Greece, for example, 80% of all Muslims and immigrants coming into Europe come through Athens. I've been there. We were there last summer. Muslims are coming to Christ, and the next day are leading fellow Muslims to Christ and then baptizing them. And some amazing things are happening there in Athens. Or coming up through Eastern Europe in the Czech Republic, We had a brother with Greater Europe Mission who was approached by an elderly lady about eight months ago. And she said, would it be all right if I started a Bible study? People are really interested in knowing about God. He said, yes. Two weeks later, she had nine going. Okay? Nine Bible studies all across the city in which they live there in the Czech Republic. In Bulgaria, a former communist country. I've been there and you can see still the remnants of communism. But God is working in a discipleship and a church planting movement through Bulgarian believers. In fact, I saw a picture in the last several months of a room full of 200 Bulgarians who were learning how to disciple and plant churches there in their country. It's amazing what God is doing. There was a couple down here who were going from your church to Rome. And just two months ago, a short-term team went to Rome, Italy, and 20 Italians prayed to receive Christ. And I tell you, all of these countries, they're hard places. I was so glad to hear uh, Pastor Crawford uh, pray about spiritual warfare because it's so real in all of these places. And the evil one is trying to advance his kingdom, but God says that he has already won the victory. And so we're a part of pushing back the kingdom of darkness and pushing forward the kingdom of light. In London, what's happening there, a city of 8 million people. We had a brother about a year ago, a little over a year ago, who was walking around London and he said, you know, we need to show grace to the people of London. And he turned around the corner and there was a pub there with a purple sign on the top of the pub and the name of the pub was Grace. Can you believe it? And so he walked in and he said to the owner, can we start a church here? She said, absolutely. So every Wednesday night, 50 or more young professionals meet there and celebrate the risen God. 
we were there one night last summer and, and they were talking about Peter and just grappling with who Peter was as a human being and as a follower of Christ and right there in that setting of the pub. So God is answering prayers. It may not be in our time. It may not be in our way, but he is answering prayers. And I just want to tell you, he depends on uh, our journeys to fill in this story. So the Lord convicted me of a couple of things that I want to share with you because maybe it could help you on your journey as well. The first was that I felt like for uh, our family, God wanted our family to be in the forefront of loving a group of people whom Americans hated. And I'll just say to you as a church family, that's exactly where we need to be because, you know, Jesus always went to pain. He didn't shy away from pain. And and, and work in these foreign countries and in a lot of these settings that we just heard described, it's really hard. The spiritual warfare is intense. But the Lord gave me a verse, Romans 15, 20, that's kind of become our family's verse. Now, one thing is, those of you with kids, once you acquaint your kids with the world, you've launched them out into the world. But I say, praise the Lord. That's exactly where we want them to be. Our son's in law school at University of Georgia here, and next spring he's going to be studying for the whole semester at Oxford. And Hey, I think he'll probably end up practicing law somewhere in Europe or beyond, and so that's just a reality. Um, but anyway, I can't remember where I was. Romans fifteen twenty. Thank you. You guys are actually listening. <laughs> and thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation. Isn't that a powerful verse? And you know what? That applies here in your community. That applies in coffee shops here. That applies in offices here. The things, again, that I mentioned that we're wanting to be doing internationally, we also can be doing right here to build up your fellowship and to build up your community and to be a model for your kids and others. And the second thing the Lord convicted me of on that beach was that I felt like for the first time in my life, God was calling me to do something that only he could do. And I kind of looked back on my life as I encourage you to. And I thought, you know, most of what I've done with the church, serving as the lawyer for the church, leading a college and singles ministry, singing in the choir, being a deacon, whatever it was, I felt like I had kind of done it just because I could do it. And I knew if God was going to raise up disciples and churches in the country of Libya, he was going to have to do it. So I encourage you maybe this afternoon, during the week, think and pray, you know what, am I in places in my life where if something is going to happen for God, he's going to have to do it. That's where we need to be. It's powerful. So the last thing in that verse, we, we, we know Scripture, we call to God through agonizing prayer, we know that God will answer, and then the fourth and final thing is, we know that God holds the future. That's what the verse says. Call to me and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's a powerful thing for us all to hear. And, and I just want to say to you, there are people all over this community and in Europe and in nations all over the earth who are just waiting for our response. When I was leaving the governor's office to go to seminary in, in San Francisco, 
I've told people I cried half the way heading out there thinking what I'd left behind. You know how it is. But I've come to grips with the fact that really uh, the Christian walk is all about an adventure. And that adventure often involves leaving. And so God calls us to do that often. So anyway, uh, on about the next to the last day before I left, I got a phone call from the lawyer uh, for the South Carolina Insurance Commission. And I could tell he was crying on the other end of the phone. And he said, Henry, I heard about what you're doing. He said, I just want you to know that the Lord called me to do the same thing 20 years ago. And I said, no, and I've regretted it every day since. You know, we don't want to be people of regret. We want to be people who hear God's voice and respond radically and immediately, just like the lady did when she went to Burma. And I think for all of us, you know, being humble learners, just saying, you know, what is God teaching me? How am I changing? How am I adapting? And how is God thrusting me out into the world with the message of Christ is a really big question for each of us. So we were in Dublin a couple of summers ago in Dublin, Ireland, and we went to a place called the Anchorage. And it's a community center in a Catholic neighborhood. It's a Protestant community center. And we met with a guy named Joe Donnelly. And Joe told us a captivating story. He said, my kids were there and other kids. And he said, when I was young, my mission in life was to do everything I could to close this place. He said, my friends and I would sit out at night and throw rocks through the windows. We'd throw beer bottles at women who were coming in with their little children. Whatever we did, we tried to do to close this place, to shut it down because we didn't like it being in our community. And he said, but one day I heard the song Amazing Grace. And he said, I said in my heart, that song was written for me. And he gave his heart to Christ. And today, Joe Donnelly runs the anchorage, the very place he tried to close. And if you go in with me, you'll see all, in, all along the walls copies of checks. Because what he does is, Joe gets people, kids in that community to be sponsored to go on mission trips all around the world. (laughs) That's just one person, one life who heard the message of Christ and now things have changed in that one city and in many lives. And here's the thing. There are people like Joe Donnelly all across the world waiting for people like you and me to pray, to resource, and to go. You're on a great adventure Praise the Lord, you're part of such a wonderful church. The Lord is using you all mightily. I hope I'll see you either in Colorado Springs or in Europe. And we're sure standing with you and grateful for our friendship and partnership with you. And I'm going to be praying for all of you on your journeys too as you follow Christ. Can I pray for us now? Lord, we do honor you as the God of the nations. God, we want to take the gospel where the gospel is not. We want to be people who radically follow you. We want to be people who don't live lives with regret, but take on tasks both here in our local community and to the ends of the earth that only you can do. So, God, may you lift us up today. May we do some self-analysis and think and pray about where we are and where you want us to go, just like Abraham and all the great heroes of the Bible. I pray all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.